1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it quickly. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for this point in the service right now to to dive into your word. Father, help me to preach this the way you want. Let it be heard and received and applied the way you want as well. Lord, be glorified in the process, and may your church, may the body of Christ be edified in the process. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, this week I I was reminded that uh, we're in December, right? December December 5th, first Sunday of December. And as I was listening to a message on 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 my Christian app, I heard a wonderful message about Christmas. And I said, man, i got to preach about Christmas today on Sunday because it's December. Every December I preach on Christmas without fail. But I want to finish this message first, so we'll get into that next week. But I thought about a lot of scriptures that pertain to verse number 1. Because John is saying, test the spirits. There's many false prophets that will try to distort and change and pervert what the Word of God says. And so be careful. So I thought about some things. And, and uh, in fact, during the week, someone asked me, are there any references about, about the Lord sending a son? Are there any references about where the Savior would be born? I said, yes. So let me just share a couple real quickly here as we get started. Isaiah seven fourteen says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is repeated when Matthew wrote in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 123. He he quoted that scripture from Isaiah and he ended it by saying, this means God with us. So the prophecy is, yeah, God's going to send a son uh, born of a virgin and his name will be called Emmanuel. So Matthew says it many, many generations later, this is Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah 9, 6, we read this. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is confirmed in Luke 1, 32, when the angel says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And then we read Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Of course, this was confirmed in Luke chapter 2. When Joseph had to get to Bethlehem, he 
came with his betrothed wife who was with child. He had to go to Bethlehem to be registered for the census because he was of the tribe and lineage of David. So these and so many more prophecies pertain to Jesus coming and Jesus doing what he did. And and when I read verse number one, it, it somewhat gets me, I don't want to say like angry, but it gets me like defensive. Like how dare anyone want to pervert the word of God? But there's many false prophets that will twist and change the word of God. So now at this point in 1 John 4, we're 90 years or so after the birth of Jesus. We're about 57 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And John joins in with some of the teachings of Jesus and Peter and Paul in saying that imposters are among us. They want to distort the truth. They want to destroy the purity of the gospel. And many have come with a different gospel. So uh, beware. They have a similar gospel. They, they, they mention Jesus, but they preach a different Jesus. Not the same Jesus that Jesus preached about and the apostles preached about. And the main issue, as with all the cults from, from that day, which was the Gnostics, they belittled what Jesus did. In other words, what Jesus did wasn't enough in their mind, the Gnostics. They, they wanted knowledge. The Bible never says you have to know a whole lot to be saved. All you have to know is that you're a sinner and Jesus is a savior and come before him. But the Gnostics perverted that. But that, that principle is true, that the cult groups throughout history will preach a different type of Jesus. And look at verse number two. We talked about it last week, but verse number two is a crucial verse of scripture. Because if, if we say, right, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. We think, OK, that's kind of basic. But however, a lot of people will say they know Jesus or they preach Jesus, but it's not the Jesus that we read about in the word of God. It's a different gospel. We preach Jesus as the Christ the Holy One, the Anointed One, God in the flesh, as we just read in Isaiah 7 and Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 1, the perfect Lamb of God slain, uh, slain for sinners. And the cult groups proclaim a different Jesus, similar but different. Even Muslims believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus that we believe in, that we see in the Word of God. Several years ago, when Pamela and I were assistant pastors in Greenwich, Connecticut, we, uh, we shared a building, uh, which was an old grammar school, uh, with, a, with different people that had offices uh, from town. One of the offices was, uh, was rented out by the local New Age movement people. And we thought it was pretty ironic. We'd have church on Sundays in the gymnasium, and on Friday night we'd have church, and then during the week we had our offices up there. Our office was right across the hallway from their office. We always got a kind of a kick out of that. And, and sometimes after Friday night services, we'd go upstairs to the office, and in that room, and there are a couple of rooms that they rented, we would hear drums and chanting and different things going on, and, and we would read their posters in the hallway, uh, have a Christ experience, and come to Christ as the enlightened one. And we knew that uh, they had a different Jesus than we had. This was crystallized in my heart when one day I, w- I met with uh, the, the director of that, of that program, Uh, in the hallway and we just had a conversation i was trying to befriend him and maybe build a relationship with him and as we finished he said okay then i'll be praying for you 
And I started to take a step, and it, it hit me like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't just leave that there like that. I turned around and said, well, who are you going to be praying to for me? He said, Jesus. I said, yeah, but your Jesus is different than my Jesus. I'll be praying for you with, with, with my Jesus. And it just crystallized. We, we, all, we both talked about Jesus, but a totally different Jesus. And so as we, as we get into this, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, uh, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus the Christ. In the Assemblies of God, we call these the four cardinal doctrines of the Assemblies of God. That Jesus Christ is Savior, Jesus Christ is Healer, Jesus Christ is Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ is the soon coming King. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good man. He's not just a friend of the poor. He's not just a miracle worker. He is all of that, but he's more than that. And in verse number one, it says, test the spirits. See if what people are saying lines up with the word of God is what he's saying. And I thought about this, and he says there's many false prophets in verse number one. Many false prophets have gone out. And I, I thought, why are there so many false prophets going out that want to dis, uh, discredit the power and the purity and really the simplicity of the word of God? And, you know, it all comes down to souls. As God loves people so much that he gave his only begotten son, the enemy of our soul hates us and hates God even more than us. He'll do anything to pervert and destroy and belittle the gospel so that souls will go to hell instead of going to heaven. And the Antichrist spirit, as we read, is already at work trying to deceive people. And he'll, he'll give a little truth. Like that guy with the new age, he, he knew a little bit about Jesus. But man, he carried it in a whole different direction. So, so the enemy of our soul would use a little bit of truth and a whole lot of deception to, to sway people away. But in verse number 6, it says, we can discern the spirit of truth from uh, the spirit of error. So I want to clarify exactly what I'm talking about here, because I realized during the week this is a pretty broad subject. We're talking about false prophets in two different areas, one in the world and the other in the church. And the two are vastly different, but let's talk about it for a minute. There are false prophets in the world. We talked about this last week. Uh, people who have deviated from Orthodox Christianity. Uh, I named a few uh, last Sunday. Uh, they came out of legitimate churches and legitimate ministries. Uh, most likely they rejected uh, criticism, correction, or accountability. They started their own following. They even wrote additional material for people to believe in. I guess not knowing or not realizing that the Bible says in two places that I know of, in Deuteronomy and Revelation, do not add nor subtract from this word. If you do, you know, you'll be assigned to a place uh, in torment, but... Uh, they write additional books. And I think for us in New England, this is my, my view. The, the, the major cults that we have to be concerned about are Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, and the Church of Christ Boston are pretty prominent around here. But also I would throw in, I would throw in uh, the Islam faith because in Haverhill, uh, I forget the location of it, I could get there. I just can't tell you how to get there. But there's a, there's a building that is, uh, that is jam-packed with people uh, worshiping Allah through Islam in Haverhill every week. 
like hundreds of people gather in Haverhill to worship Allah through Muhammad uh, in, in their faith of Islam. So these are areas right around us. There, there's false prophets, false religions around us, and we have to stand strong and tall and, and uphold our, you know, our, our, our statement of faith and our, our belief in, in the doctrines of Jesus Christ. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that there are, there are false prophets still in some churches. And this is where it gets to be a little bit more complex. Because many false prophets in churches believe in salvation through Christ. They have a proper doctrine of salvation and faith. But they disregard the other teachings about accountability, about spiritual authority and humility, especially regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the interpretation of Scripture or the application of Scripture. So there, there are false prophets in churches that misinterpret the word of God and won't listen to correction and will reject any counsel from more senior saints or seasoned saints that try to tell them a more excellent way, as we read about in the book of Acts. Now, let me clarify this. A false prophet in a church is different than someone who is used in prophecy or the gifts of the Spirit that makes an honest-to-goodness mistake. And sometimes, unfortunately, that happens. When someone thinks they're doing the right thing and they say something and do something or give a word or, or something, but it's not right and they realize that they made a mistake. In that case, they come back and they, they talk to the leadership, they talk to the people, they say, what I said was wrong, I repent of it, I'm sorry. They're not a false prophet. They're just a person who, who tried to do right, but they did wrong. In fact, I read about David Wilkerson. How many of you know David Wilkerson? He's with the Lord now, founder of Teen Challenge. I read his, his, his life story. It's an amazing book, an amazing journey. But at the end of his life, he, he wrote, he said, I even wondered if I was a false prophet. He said that about himself. Because some of the things he saw and said, he didn't see being fulfilled. And he was wondering, if I, if I, am I right with God? Am, am I a false prophet? And the answer to that is no, he's not a false prophet. He's just a man trying to do the will of God. His heart was right. A false prophet would never admit they were wrong. A false prophet would never humbly come to a church or a pastor and, and repent of what they did because they're so convinced, they're so deceived, they can't see it that way. I, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses. And, I, you know, I, when I say what I, when I talk about different things, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just trying to educate everybody. Jehovah's Witnesses had prophesied Jesus was coming back probably five or six different times. Starting in the late 1800s, 1914 was a big one. And every time the date comes and goes, they come up with an explanation why, and they give another date. But they never say they're sorry for doing it in the first place. There's never like, oh, I'm grieved, I'm sorry. I you know, they, they just go on with another date. And, and ironically, people still believe them. So... Like John here, okay, so what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to address is, go back in chapter 2 real quick. 1 John, 1 John 2, verses 18 and 19. I want to address people that are around us, either here or around us, that are deceived and trying to deceive the body of Christ. That's, that's what I'm referring to as false prophets. But chapter 2, verse 18, little children, which we know is a phrase for a church, or a body of Christ. Uh, it's the last hour, 
As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. In verse 20, uh, 26 and 27, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Now, there are people out there trying to deceive the legitimate body of Christ, and we're not even aware of what they're trying to do sometimes. But verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you don't need that anyone would teach you this thing, but you have the Holy Spirit in you that will enlighten you so that when you hear error, you will recognize error. And you will recognize truth. We go to chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6. This is exactly what he's talking about. They're of the world. They speak like the world. They reason like the world. But we're of God. We, we, we think of the things of God. We can discern the things of God. And we can differentiate between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse number 4 is very important in chapter 4. But by this we know. We've overcome them. We, we've gotten over the, the deception because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the church, or the, that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Spirit of God is greater than that Spirit that's in the world. So you know truth, and you, you run after the truth. And so, so now we have this situation in, in 90 AD, right? John is addressing the issues here. So fast forward to 20. The end of 2021, almost 2022. And he says in verse number one, test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit, test the spirits. There's many false prophets out there. I think that in AD 90, there were many. How many are there today? More than many. Thousands, thousands of false prophets. And uh, with the advent of the Internet, you know, which has been great in many, many ways, uh, great achievements, spreading the gospel everywhere, millions of believers all over the world. We, we find it so interesting when we send missionaries to some parts of the world, they get to these remote areas. And guess who was there already? The Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. And they get there with this, this pure gospel. They're saying, man, we've got to undo what they learned already and give them the real truth. But through the internet and through all this media, millions of people have heard the gospel. And unfortunately, millions of people have perverted the gospel. So as I, as I approach this subject, I realize that we are fighting an uphill battle, church. Because if you've been around the church for a while, you may remember 25, 30, 40 years ago. Most churches were jumping and popping and were excited and were on fire for God. You look at the 80s, and the, there, was a, there was a movement of God going on. And, and the, really, the Pentecostal church in town was primarily the main place, the go-to place to get fed the word of God and to worship God. In other words, you didn't have a whole lot of choices. If you wanted God, you go, go to that church that's preaching and proclaiming the word of God. Everyone knew where it was. You either ran to it or you ran from it. But there's only one place to go, basically. Maybe two. But, you know, some time ago, Christian TV developed. I don't know if you, anyone remember when Christian TV developed in the 80s? This was a new thing that happened. Now people are staying at home watching 
preachers on TV in the comfort of their home. It was good, but it also has the downside. Then Christian radio happened. Then contemporary Christian music happened. And now there's the, the birth of the praise and worship industry, which is a multi-million dollar industry. It's all good, but in that setting, the, this local church thing has been diminished. So everything has expanded, but the local church has, and interestingly, I just thought of this now, the mega churches are getting bigger and the smaller churches are getting smaller, which is indicative of people in general, I'm making a generalization, want to go to church where, guess what, there's not a whole lot of accountability. Just let me go and get lost in the number, I'll do my thing and get out of there. Whereas that was never the design that Jesus set in place when he organized and, and commanded, or, you know, commanded people to assemble together, you know, to encourage one another and bless each other. That was never the intention of it, just to go to put your time in to hear the word and go home. So when I think about uh, verse number one, like how, how do we do that now? How do we test the spirits now? How do we, uh, how do we discern what's going on? And I want to I talk about three different areas. And I want these to apply to the cult groups, you know. And I want it to apply to false prophets within the church as well. Okay, so now, now we have responsibility. Verse number one, you know, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Many false prophets have gone out. Okay, so we have a responsibility to do that. How do we do that in our day and age? So I would say, first of all, this, number one, to investigate. You know, one of the things we can do with the Internet is look up anybody and everybody. And, man, you will find a lot of stuff on the Internet. Um. We're going to test the spirits and find out what's going on. We have to find out, you know, who are we allowing to speak into our spirit? And the reason I'm saying this is because I know that I'm not the only voice that you hear. See, if I was the only voice you hear, no problem. It's on me, but it's not on me. I, I realize that. In our culture, we hear many voices out there. In fact, if you don't like my voice, you go down the church to another, down the street to another church and hear that uh, pastor's voice. If you don't like that one, there's another one over there. But you don't have to hear my voice. But in addition to the local voices, man, there's the internet. There's things all over the place. There's a million voices out there. So you have to investigate. So you, most of you, know the analogy of counterfeit money. When someone's being trained at a bank or someplace to recognize counterfeit money. They never study the counterfeit money. They study the real thing. Let's say $20 bills. They study what a real $20 bill looks like. You know, they, and there's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot of detail that I don't even think about, but there is. So when they see one that doesn't look like that, they know that that one's not right. So the first thing we have to investigate is the Word of God. Study the Word of God. So that when you hear something that's out in left field, you say, wait a minute, that doesn't line up. Or what about this? 2 Timothy uh, 2.15. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, uh, sorry, 3.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, but that rightly divides the word of truth. In our fellowship, we're assembly of God people, you know. 
we're part of the Assemblies of God. You can go to our website, newlifechristianag.com. You can look under uh, uh, beliefs or statement of beliefs and find out exactly what we believe in, 16 fundamental truths and some other things we threw in there, what was very clearly what we believe in. You can go to the uh, Assembly of God national website, ag.org. You can look up doctrines, beliefs, positional papers. There are so many papers uh, written uh, through our movement regarding, you know, people have questions about same-sex marriage, abortion, suicide, uh, whatever, uh, uh, divorce and remarriage, a whole gamut of topics, but all, everything's all written down. You can investigate and find out what we believe and see how it lines up with your spirit. And, and it's good. It's all good stuff, but it's all out there. But I encourage you, church, use the Internet. Or you can also go to uh, the library. North Point has a library, Bible College, and they've opened the doors to the public, so you have to register. But you can get into a, a, a Bible College library to investigate some of these things. But investigate the Word of God. Secondly, I would say, you know what? Investigate people. You can investigate me if you want. You won't find a whole lot, but you can investigate me. I'm, I'm pretty much out there. What you see is what you get. But 2 Timothy 3.10, uh, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, uh, you, you know, uh, you've carefully followed my doctrine. You've carefully followed my manner of life and my long-suffering and my love and my, my, uh, my uh, perseverance. In other words, Timothy, you know me. You know who I am. You studied my, you know my doctrine, but you know my life. You know how I live. I, and I try to be transparent as the pastor of the church. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much an open book. But, but I, what I'm saying is, who are you allowing to speak into your life besides me? Well, let me list a few that are popular. In my, in my world, they're popular. Maybe you know them. You probably do, but maybe you don't. But, for instance, Charles Stanley is a great teacher of the word. He's been around forever. Great teacher of the word. Until one day I heard him preaching about 